everyone I talk to, it's like, well, what do you really want to do? I feel like everyone's like, I don't know what I want to do. No, I think that that's usually wrong. I think everyone knows what they want to do. The only thing standing in their way is fear. And then they're afraid of losing what's in their past. And it might just be one little thing. It might, they might have one best friend that they know if they go down this path, they're going to lose them. But then they weren't your best friend. They weren't the person you're meant to be with or they were there for that time. So to truly find that, I think you just have to sacrifice. Welcome to Black Belt Beauty Radio, a podcast fueled by a passion to support your journey in developing your most beautiful and optimal performance in life. Each episode is driven with the intention to elevate your mind. When we elevate our mind, we elevate our life. So get ready. It's time to rise. Hey everyone, what's up? Welcome back to Black Belt Beauty Radio. Today's episode is with my friend, Matthew Collins. Matthew is a celebrity hairstylist, a L'Oreal and Dyson ambassador, a lifelong athlete, and an all-around inspiring human. Matthew travels the world to work with clients such as Kristen Stewart, Chloe Bennett, Mandy Moore, But what I really admire about my talented friend is that he's so down to earth, he's so authentic, and he makes sure that his health and fitness is an absolute priority no matter how busy he is. And trust me, you guys, this man is busy. (laughs) I had so much fun diving into Matthew's backstory on how he arrived to his tremendous career success, his lifelong fitness journey, the power and goal setting for him, and why he isn't afraid to keep starting over to follow his passions in life. This talk is absolutely inspiring and so full of energy, just like Matthew. So I hope you enjoy it as much as I feel you will. It's time to hit play and let you take in my amazing friend, Matthew Collins. Enjoy. Boom. This is how I start them. <laughs> boom. With a big boom. With a big boom. Just no preparation. Just Dude, boom. No, we just got like light. I'm like you shit, know, you here it goes. Roll yourself. <laughs> yeah. Right? Bam. Bam. What's up, Matthew? How are you? Dude, I'm so happy to see you here. I'm pumped to be um, here. Thank you. You have been, it's funny. So right off the bat, I just want to say, I had been thinking about doing a podcast with you for a while, like longer than you knew. Um, and then you did a recent um, IGTV, yeah. this video where I was like, okay, you need to let him know now, you know, cause it was so, you know, th- you're an amazing hairstylist. Thank One thing you. that I love about you too is that you're super fucking down to earth. You just do your job. You do an excellent job. You're pleasant, easy to be around. Um, but you know, when I watched this IGTV video where you were really expressing this other element to what's driving you, what's inspiring mm-hmm. you, and in, in your life, I just it was like enough is enough. I need to get Matthew on the fucking podcast. <laughs> Thank you. Yeah. That's amazing. That so, was like the first time I talked about my fitness journey, kind of like in public, yeah. in front of people. So that yeah. was crazy. Well, yeah, I felt the passion, and I know behind the scenes because we've talked yeah. about it on jobs that you know, like your process. And I'm so excited to get into all that. Um, for a little, can you give our audience a little bit of your backstory? Mm-hmm. You know where you come from, and just you know who you are in your profession. Yeah, okay, so kind of like, it's a bit of a long story, but I'll try to do the short version of it. Um, started hairdressing, I started cutting hair when I was 12 years old. Um, I come from, I have a sister with four, I have four sisters and a mom. My dad was a pilot, he was gone all the time. Um, 
And my sisters all have like ponytails like the size of a fist. Like they all have a lot of hair. So they would go to the high-end salon. Me and my dad went to a little, little Italian barber shop. And I wanted my hair cut every three days to a week. Like I was obsessed with my hair from a very young age, like from as long as I can remember. Like how it looked. Was it cool? Really? Like was I got my short? mom, all th- different things. Like okay. I, I, one time, I think I was in grade two, I got my mom to shave my head and just leave the bangs when that was in. No. Yeah, I did that. And then I think <laughs> she screwed it up. And I remember having a tent- temper tantrum. Like I lost it on her. Like I had a temper issue when I was younger. And, but then... So my dad was like, you're not getting your haircut every week. And I'm like, well, I want it though. And so one day he bought me a clipper set and he said, here you go. You want to cut every week? Do it yourself. So I watched the barber, learned how to do it. And that was it. And then I did that till 16. I convinced my friends to save the $20 that they were going to Supercuts for. Keep it and I'll cut your hair and I'll give you a $50 guarantee saying... I'm not going to screw it up. And most of my friends were all jocks because I played a lot of sports growing up. So they would have shaved their head for 50 bucks. So they didn't care. So that's how I started. Then I went to university. I come from a very religious family and I was very strict religious until I was about 17, 18. So when I went to university, that's kind of when I went loose. And I literally cut hair in exchange for booze and weed. Like, like, because I just had no money and there was like... What, what else am I going to do? Because I never cared to make money from it. Like, I just, that's what I did. Or, f- to f- like, literally, people would take me out to dinner after. Yeah. And then I just took a couple years off. I wasn't allowed back at school because my grades were so bad. Um, I went out there to play football, and that's really, I wasn't caring about anything else. And then I joined a rugby team, which was... We were sponsored by a beer company, so let's just put it that way. Oh, shoot. Okay. It was like rugby is a tough, <laughs> tough sport, yeah, but we also it's tough in the bar as well. Like <laughs> it was mandatory that we had a drink with the other team after a game, okay. and like rugby's tough. Like you'd be in a scrum and you'd literally give a guy an uppercut, yeah. and you'd hate each other in the field. But when you're done, you just walk up to him and you give him a shot. That's cool. and like you're just like dude like that's and it's the only it's sport like I ever fighting. played where you really leave yeah it's like yeah. I felt like it's the closest thing to be a Roman gladiator yeah. like do you know because you can torture each other but there's a there's a camaraderie and a, a man a, a, a really respect about it but then I and then I came back and it was actually my mom that sat me down one day I was really depressed and she, I tried to sell weed for a minute and I sucked at it Why I made no guys? money I think I always had dreams for myself like I always had and I think everyone has dreams but I felt like I had high goals and I saw my dad being a pilot traveling all over the world and I was like my dreams were really like always wanted to be a professional athlete then I realized I was a great I was always a great athlete but I just I was realistic and I was like I'm not in that one percent that's gonna get become an NFL player an NHL player like you know with all the different sports that I did usually it was height that was my restriction because it was like for volleyball I was just six feet. And if you play pro volleyball on court, you're right. like minimum six, three, you're yeah. short if you're six, three. So, um, and then How I was, I was, when I was depressed, it was about 23, 22. Okay. Got it. And I just, I remember I rescued a dog from the humane society. I was just like literally smoking weed, sitting around doing nothing. And then my mom was like, Matt, you got to do what you love to do. And I was like, well, I love to cut hair. That's not a job. Like, I never went into a high slot. I didn't know anything about what I'm doing now. I just saw an Italian barbershop that was the size of a kitchen, a small kitchen, and I didn't want that for my life. And then my mom's like, if you do what you love to do, you'll never work another day in your life again, which I've realized now that's a lie. But, you know, it sounds really great. <laughs> It sounds really great in, you know, in the memes that we see and I've shared it before. Somewhat truth to it, but you work way more. Yeah, exactly. And so then I, um, 
I j- my mom got me a job assisting at the salon that she went to, and it was a beautiful salon. First time I walked in, I was intimidated, and the owner, who became my really close friend after, actually said, first day you walked in, I thought there's no way it's going to work out. Oh, really? I just was wearing like skate shoes, khaki pants. Like I did not dress the part, but I learned the part. Yeah. And I worked my butt off from day one. Wait, sorry. Just uh, yeah. were you doing, because so, I know you said your sister had thick ponytails, mm-hmm. but you were yeah. really focused on guys, I think, at one point. I was just doing guys. guys but when I so. got into that, when I went to hair school, I already taught myself the feeling, touch, and aesthetic and balance of hair I didn't know at all the technique so then I learned the technique and I think that was that's still one of my biggest advantages because I learned something before I had to learn it because I think a lot of people that learn something technically just they can't veer from that thing you know what I mean it's like how I, I don't know how I view a lot of medical doctors that can't then go into naturopathic medicine because that's just what they learn that's their thing they didn't become passionate about something first they became passionate about like I want to save lives I want to be a doctor oh they didn't God. know so what's kind of happening because I grew up in a very healthy household like healthy like my the garbage in our house was like vegetable thin crackers I don't know if you have that here I don't think you do it's a Canadian thing but like that was it. And maybe once a month, my mom would bake something. So there were marshmallows in the cabinet. So I would like steal the marshmallows. That was my like treat. Cause it was like, I went to school with like the healthiest lunch of like homemade multigrain bread with non, like nothing in them cold cuts. And like the, every lunch every kid would dream about. And all I wanted was white bread, craft single slices and bologna sandwiches. Oh my God, that's hilarious. Like, it I don't know sense. why I just did. And I, yeah. Like when I went to university, I ate horrible. I had a meal plan, and then I think me and my friends would just get high all the time, and then go to like um, the like the cafeteria, and yeah. they didn't have a meal plan. They lived off of residence, and I would just pay for them. By Christmas, I had the f- biggest meal plan possible. I was done my meal plan. Wait, what is a meal plan? A meal plan when you go to university, you pay X amount of dollars, like five grand for the year, and then you get this card that you go if you're in residence, and then yeah. you go to the cafeteria, and you can use it like a credit card, Got but you already it. paid for it. Oh. So I was out in Christmas and I had a full semester left. Oh, sure. I remember one week I had a sack of potatoes yeah. and I just made potatoes a different way every day because I had like a dollar to my name. And I was just <laughs> oh like, God. I guess I'm going to mash potatoes tonight and I'm going to bake a potato tomorrow. And oh that was God. how I lived my life. It was like weird. But then I was like, I got engaged early as I was going through salon. I ended up calling off a wedding six days before the wedding. Oh, shit. Was going to open up a salon in Barry, called off those plans, moved to Toronto, met my business partner we started a private studio five years later hold be- on I'm yeah you, you get stop me at any point um so where were you before where are you originally from i'm then? from barry which is an hour north of, i was born in winnipeg which is the central prairies of canada okay then moved my dad got transferred for you know to uh, location for being a pilot to toronto okay. but we wanted to move to a small town at the time when we moved it was the fast growing city in the world i think oh, really? it was because toronto was the fast growing major city yeah. and Barry's like a bedroom town so like mm-hmm. if you want a nicer house you move to Barry and you can yeah. it's cheaper and then you yeah. commute an hour right whatever like New York and exactly. And, yeah, exactly so you know we did that and I lived there we lived in the city we lived in the country we yeah. lived kind of like all over the place got it so then okay so then you moved to Toronto yeah and then I so moved to Toronto alone yeah you moved to Toronto alone you're going now you've entered salon world yeah with and- yeah and then I I started working for L'Oreal already. I was with them as a brand ambassador, learning kind of like all the different things that I do. So we are backing the fuck up right now. Yeah, yeah, okay. <laughs> Your life is amazing. I'm already like, you guys, do you ever see buzz on right now? Because <laughs> wait, the reason why I want to like tease out yeah. those pieces more because 
to go just from I'm interested in the mindset mm -hmm. part. It's truly like how do you go from um you're now assisting in a salon mm -hmm. and that's scary because yeah. this is like a whole new world for you, even yeah. though you you know, roll up with a real passion and talent for hair, yeah. not fully expressed uh -huh. yet, right? And then um to just like L'Oreal's and like we gotta Okay. I wanna know a little bit more about um you know, how you gained confidence in that new, you know, opportunity mm, with the salon. Because I, I feel like that's important. Okay, so the way it happened is I talked to my, or the business rep that would sell the product to the salon. I talked to them and I was like, how can I get with L'Oreal? Like, what could I do? And they're like, actually, there's this competition called Canadian Runway Styles of the Year. It's for hairdressers under 25. You should compete. And this was like my first six months to a year in the salon world. And I had no idea. I knew I was starting to realize fashion, celebrity work, stuff like that. And it was the internet was just in its infancy, but still there. Yeah. So I was like, I got to get caught up. So I entered the competition and I had to do a photo shoot. And I didn't know what the hell I was doing. But I, and I was in a salon with incredibly talented stylists, but they were dated. Mm -hmm. They were the nicest people I've ever met in the most beautiful salon I've ever met. But these were really strong hairdressers, but they didn't have the... The, the the fashion sense of sure. what's happening now. On the pulse of things. So I then researched the top 20 photographers of all time, the top 20 hairdressers, the top 20 makeup artists, the top 20 fashion designers, so that I can get caught up. Because most people in hair were like, I was doing my Barbie's hair. I've been in love with fashion since I was young. And I was not. I was a jock. All I cared about was sports and God. Like, that's literally the only two things I cared about. Like, I broke up with girls when I was 17 because they wanted to fool around. Like, I was, like, not having sex before marriage. Like... I messed some people up because of that because I think these girls weren't the most innocent girls right. so they were most used to guys being like oh you're not going to put out I'm out and right. I was the opposite and they were like what is going me? on Right. and so then when they told me about this competition I went in and I worked with like a backstory is this is the type of competition that the only people entering are the assistants to the best hairdressers in Canada. So they're not really doing their own thing. They're doing what their boss is telling them to do. So they're not being also true to themselves. So I went in and I had no mentor. They told me I would like see what I wanted to do. And then I would show the older stylist in the salon and they would show me old school techniques to get it there. Mm -hmm. And in this competition, the way it worked is I would show up. Five minutes before I go on stage in front of 500 people, I would see my model for the first time what she's wearing. I would then have half hour to do a daytime runway look. Then they would judge it, do whatever. And then I would see the second outfit on the girl and I would have to use the original set mm -hmm. and then do something that's more avant-garde mm -hmm. for like a couture show. Yeah. And I won the Ontario Championships, the Provincials, and then I won the Canadian Championships and the whole way people were like, who is this kid? So then that's when L'Oreal hired me after that. The win, the what I got from winning it was I got to go to Paris, uh, to Paris and do Paris Fashion Week. Amazing. But the best thing that happened to me is L'Oreal didn't plan it that well and they sent me there. And when I went to the key hairdresser, they got me all the passes and stuff, but mm -hmm. I guess they didn't tell or clarify to the key hairdresser who was coming and what their role was. So when I showed up, I was there to pass pins and be an assistant. And when he showed up, I was like, yeah, we're here to help out with the team. And he just, his first instinct was thought that we were two hairdressers that he hired to really work the fashion show. Oh, wow. And I just went along with it. I was like, well, obviously if I can do real hair for this, I want to do it. So I just went along with it. I totally faked it until I made it. And it was the greatest experience of my life. And okay. that's, that's opened up ass. everything. Can I ask you, I'm so curious, did, um, even though it's like so different, but just I can relate in some ways where I'm an athlete by way yeah. of life, like jujitsu, all the mm -hmm. things that I do, and yet, you know, I'm an artist too. And that has been this 
you know, yep. for all my life, athlete and artist, and they seem very separate. But what I'm curious about for you is like that what you did, everything you just expressed, like being on stage in front of 500 people and like being on the spot and having to get into Paris and like just kind of being thrown into this role and like just going mm -hmm. with it. That takes a lot of courage. Do you think that some of that courage in any way, shape or form what came from your life as an athlete too? Like I think it was, yeah, it was a hundred percent an an athlete because you know, you I, I you know, compete a fairly high level. You know what I mean? Like when I went to play football, I got injured a weekend and I had to, it was at, in college. I got injured a weekend. So I had to leave the football team because it was my first year of university. And we had like six hours of meetings and things a, a week. And I was like, I'm going to party because we're not allowed to party. So I'd like to do fun things. Yeah. I regret it later because the team ended up winning the national championship. So it would be nice to have that ring. Yeah. But I ended up healing better and joined the rugby team. So those were really big crowds that we had. And it yeah. prepared me and... The, the rush on being on stage and to being in front of people, I can only compare it to sports. Like, I was the guy that's... I don't know if you ever remember seeing the football movie The Program. No, okay, you should watch it. It's crazy. It's really? about, like, psychotic football players. A lot of them are doing steroids. I didn't do steroids. Yeah. But, like, the guys that lose their minds in the changing room. And that was me. Okay. I'd be quiet and nervous. Like... Let's go back to when I was in playing hockey. If I had a hockey tournament, I did a paper route from when I was, like eight yeah. and I would rollerblade and do my paper route because I, I was always active mm -hmm. and on the Saturday if I had my first game in the morning I would cry until my parents made me make my little sister do the paper route because I would always be so terrified that I would like fall that day and miss something because I wanted to compete so bad the next day oh. and then I would be the guy in the change room that's like you know I'm not going to swear but it would be like let's go like I'd be hitting people on the shoulder I'd be like sm smacking people on the helmet like really? I'm that like lunatic in the changing so room yeah and I'll feel but the day before I'm like a spaz I'm like freaking out I'm like so nervous but when it gets there I use that intensity but I also use that intensity when I train yeah but then it was like when we're talking about this too something I didn't mention is like it's like I was very goal oriented in my in my athletic nature when I was younger. That was the only thing I had goals for. Mm -hmm. I would practice constantly like day in and day out anytime I didn't have practice in any way because I played so many sports. And then but when I got into hair, I was actually my first hair class I ever took. Um, they did something really cool. And at the end of the class, they wrote out a piece of paper and they said, we want you to write down your, your five year goal and your 20 year goal. And we're going to put it in an envelope and we're going to mail it to you in a, five, in a year and see where you're at. And you had to write five action, five goals to like action plan goals for each goal. First time I'd ever made a goal in real life, like other than sports ever. And because I made that, like I actually have it tattooed across my chest. It's the slogan of L'Oreal at the time, dream, excel, succeed. You have to dream at first, then you must excel and work really hard. And if you do those two things, you will always succeed. And I did this, and within one year is when I won that competition. So not I, my first goal was in five years to become a L'Oreal artist. I won that competition, sorry, it was six months later. They hired me as a L'Oreal artist three months later. So nine months instead of five years, I became a L'Oreal artist. And my second goal, my 20-year goal, was to become an international artist for L'Oreal and to be on an international stage. And I think that happened three years later. So it was crazy that the first goals I ever did and wrote action plans to them, I realize the power of a goal and the power of writing something down and really striving for it. That is impressive. Um, I want to dig into that a little bit more because I think that, you know, we hear 
I've been writing for the majority of my life and mm -hmm. I'm super all about that. Like writing is a methodology mm -hmm. that has proven to be um, not just successful in terms of creating, like accomplishing goals, but like very successful in me generating a very deep connection with myself. Like it just has given me so much and continues to do so. What I'm curious about um, is what would you say, so you set these goals for yourself. Mm -hmm. You're ambitious, you're driven, you're an athlete in and out of the sport, mm -hmm. basically, right? Like a life athlete, yeah. how I see it. What do you think was the most supportive aspect or strategy formula that you, um, you know, that you were basically putting into practice to achieve these goals? Because okay. it can't just be, I yeah, wrote it, I no. want it, and then it happens. Well, if, you know what I mean? To get really real, it goes back to, um, when I was in grade seven, um, I had a best friend, like my best friend from like, I, I went to nine different public schools and high schools, like oh, yeah. just cause we, way we worked and we moved a lot cause my parents would like build a house. We had to move to a different area, school zone reasons. Yeah. Like I didn't ever get expelled or anything. Yeah. So the first time I stayed at school for longer than like six months to a year, he was my best friend. We were in home. I was in home at uh, shop class. He was in home at class. He walked by me knocked on the door he said i'm leaving i'm sick and i looked at him and i was like you fucking liar because like he would do this all the time he hated home at class his parent he would tell his parents he's sick and he's like no i'm really not feeling well next day he was in sick kids and found out he had a brain tumor a massive brain tumor and he was there for treatment for a while and then he came back and like we, I think we went shopping for something it was the first day I saw him and he like, you know, when you walk into like, a sh like I don't know, store like Walmart and they have those metal posts that, so you can't bring the cart somewhere. Yeah, yeah. And he was like, he couldn't even, his depth perception was off and he like made a joke. And I was just looking at him like, dude, you almost like know you're going to die. And yet you're just like cracking these jokes. And then fast forward a week later, we, he invited me for a sleepover and he had this card for me thanking me because I was really there like talking to him every day and I, and I just, I didn't know what it was going on, but I wanted to be there. And he looked at me and it was just the two of us and he said, Matt, you know, he said he appreciated what I did, but he said, I know I'm probably going to die. And, but when I look down from heaven, if you use my death as any excuse to not live your life and push forward, and if you even, like, you can cry and do whatever, but, like, next week, you better be working your fucking ass off and doing it because I'm going to look down from heaven and hate you. <laughs> and it's literally those words that I didn't know for many years until later that work what constantly drives me. Like I end a relationship, I'll cry for a day and then I'm fucking over it the next day. And like, maybe it's like sociopathic or like, I don't know, like that I can get past these things, but it was having that trauma so early on. And I really realized cause everyone's like, why do negative things happen? Why do these happen? I'm like, man, it opens up so much more. I worked at a camp for years after, and I was the head Bible study and like camp leader of this camp. So they would put the troubled children, like kids that had a parent, both their parents die the week before. And I can't relate to that at all. Mm -hmm. But because of what I went through, I was able to somewhat relate mm -hmm. to what devastation at a young age feels and how... I had another friend that wasn't where the three of us were best friends. He wasn't there that night mm -hmm. and he's used that death as an, ex as an excuse for so many things in his life. Mm -hmm. And he just, you know, and I don't know what that is, but I think that that, uh, you know what I mean? I don't want to say a legacy that he left was me, yeah. but man, that, that man impacted my life tremendously. Yeah. 
and so that was, I think, where it really began. Yeah, that's beautiful. I'm like holding back the tears, Mm -hmm. but I I feel that. No, and it's, man, I think that anytime we um, are doing something for bigger reasons than us, when we can really have a deeper purpose outside of just us, it like I frame it usually like this it like pulls out my inner Rocky mm-hmm. like if I'm doing something and thinking about my family and my friend like it just I'm already yeah. motivated I'm already striving for excellence but there's some extra shit that's in here that I'm able to pull from when there is a bigger purpose mm-hmm. and that is that's a huge purpose that's yep. beautiful and you know I I've had that in my own life too where and it's a trip because I, I actually like you said I don't even know what this is about and I don't know either. It's like, do you just come fucking downloaded with, you know, different in that way? And um, where, and I also want to say like, when you're like, maybe I'm sociopath, like, I'm like, no, I think that, you know, I, I feel like you appreciate life and you understand like, okay, this hurt. And you know, I'm going to, I'm going to honor this feeling, but like this is in the story continues yeah like, let's keep going because i value this story mm-hmm. right is it something like that yeah i think it's just like i don't know it's it's hard because like i have a lot of friends that go through things and i've i've dated people that you know they take their trauma and it just becomes an excuse for absolutely everything in their life right. and then they're like it's this big woe is me mentality and i look at it and i and i have sympathy for it mm-hmm. but then i'm like but then every person that's inspired me in my life, every book you read about someone inspirational, every person that says miraculous things for them, themselves, most of the time has some major trauma 100%. that they dealt with. No one's ever like, I'm the most successful man in the world and I built myself from nothing and I had really great parents and I've never had any trauma. Like, I've never heard that story. I mean, neither. <laughs> you know? So, you know, it's kind of like, well, like... I know a guy who climbed Mount Kilimanjaro and doesn't have legs. So like it's really hard for me it's hard for me to date too when I sense any sort of negativity like that at the beginning because I'm like yeah. man there's there's a lot of ways and there's some people that there's certain things that they will just never be able to really get through yeah. but as long as you're trying I don't know I don't I think that Yeah, for sure. Yeah. There's a difference like you don't just submit you you know, you're, you're going through the fight and mm-hmm. that's honorable in of itself. And there's so much to gain from it. I mean, obviously like going back to your situation, I mean, what a powerful source of fuel, um, to get you, you know, again, like to re- bring us right back where we were, where it's like all of a sudden you're in this super new space where, and you know, this very well, like in our business and beauty, like you, you got to be fucking confident as an mm-hmm. artist. Like, yeah. I, if you've never done it before and you roll up to the set and you got to do it and you've never done it before, whatever it is, yeah. you got to roll up. Like, you can do this shit with your eyes closed. Yeah. Because <laughs> the minute there's any sense of, like, like non, if, if you're insecurity, you're not confident, oof. It's just, it's like a, it's like a fucking cancer in the whole Yeah. Right, it's and I've met I've met people I've worked with people that were way more talented than I am, but they didn't have that confidence, and their career is failing. Yeah. And it's really because like I've heard that from celebrities, they're like, the way you touch my hair in the first two seconds is exactly how I knew. But if you go in there and you're kind of shaking and you're humming and hawing, it they've already decided they're not going to like it. It could look the exact same as the hairstyle that I end up with them and they won't have that same confidence. And it's crazy how powerful that is. When did you realize that in your career? 
man. Was it early on? Was it? I think I, I really built up a clientele really quick. And I think I built my clientele when I was just a salon hairdresser from, and when I say this, it's not an insult, neurotic, crazy blonde girls. Like the pickiest blonde girl ever. And I respect that, their pickiness and their neuroticism because that's me. That's why I got into hair because I'm the pickiest person in the world with my hair. So I would just have to do one of their, the heads of hair and then a hundred of their friends are like, oh my goodness, if she likes her hair, we're all going to him. So I I swear my clientele was like composed of like six girls and like all of their other friends. So it was just like, I just had like these groups of friends, but it was funny over the years to be like, how's so-and-so? And And they're like, I don't talk to them anymore. (laughs) It was like, it was funny to see like that grow. And I was like, wow, I've been, I've been doing these people's hair for a long time. Dang. So, so, okay. So now you're like L'Oreal ambassador. You have your salon. Um, No, I, I sold the salons. Okay. I had a business partner that, um, he was my best friend for many years. Uh, we were roommates just unfortunately like not an honest person that's like the the easiest way that i'll say it um i've been in two fairly traumatic relationships in my life one with a lover one with a best friend and really it boils down to uh, they've been the same person essentially um like as in like you know you just read the characteristics of them and i've had to realize that this is the type of person that can manipulate me incredibly. Sure. It's someone that when you first meet them is magnetic and just something draws you to them, but on a deeper level. And when I look back at it, the two things that they hold in common the most is neither of them want to talk about anything in their past, present, or future. They just hold everything in. They, you know what I mean? They feel like that's going to be better if people don't know it. Yeah. But I'm the opposite. I'm like, I'm going to tell you the most embarrassing story if you ask it. Like, ask me anything and I'm going to tell it to you. And a client that I met for four seconds, I'll tell her my life story. Yeah. And so it's hard for me to be with someone like that. Yeah, And so I just had to leave those. But the biggest thing is I wouldn't have had the I wouldn't have been able to move to LA if I still those salons. If you and then, the yeah, and my ex-wife was from LA, so she wanted to move back here. It got me here before I would. I wanted to move to LA always, but I probably would have waited a year or two. But she was like, "We got to move. We got to move now." And I'm like, "Okay." I wasn't ready, but I did it. And it mm-hmm. like those moments catapulted me into where I am now. And I would never go back and change anything like I had great times with both of these people like I cannot you know what I mean like my business partner until the week before I left that business I had his back and that that was traumatizing when I left because I had his back up until the very end like my ex-wife would be like you gotta leave guy's a dick blah 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 and I'd be like don't talk to him don't talk about him which was hard for him to be like you never had my back I'm like man I got in fights in my marriage over this like that's hard you know character is when you know your truth and someone that you cared for is like putting claims that mm. are not legitimately yeah. not they go so they're the opposite yeah that is hard i've had that in my friendship yeah. in my life exactly before, like i'm like dude i got proof i got journals mm-hmm. yeah <laughs> but it's a, but it, it hurts because it's like whoa did you even get me did you even were we even was there any mm-hmm. realness here? That's know. that was that was what was scary. Is yeah. I I look back and I think, you know, I I know where there was realness on my side, and then you go back and you're like, 
you know, did you just fall apart somewhere or was there realness from the beginning? Because that's the only thing that I feel like would make me sad. And and I also would hope that I wouldn't be that manipulated by someone, yeah. that it was someone that was like right from the get-go was like, I see where this is going. I see how this can work for me. And then just goes along with it because like I could never do that. I would have to like, if we're going to go down a path, I better be 100% committed to this. And then the problem is I generally stay in those commitments for longer than I I should. You know what I mean? Like I, I feel like who hasn't been in those situations? Exactly. I was just having, you know, conversations with my girlfriend's birthday yesterday and we were the this was coming up in the t- in the lunch and cuz I certainly experienced that. And I am someone who you know, um I do feel like I have a superpower of reading people. Like I'll see your nakedness under your nakedness Mm. and it's dope. It's helped me live around the world the way I have and like maneuver through life the way I have. Yeah. Um, you know, because to be able to read people is, is very important. Even in our specific line of work, like set etiquette, like you got to know when to shut up, when to talk, like it's, and it's so delicate. You're right. It's such a delicate. Some people won't ever have a career because they don't know that. And they could be the most talented individual. Exactly. So I feel like it's, it's served me. It's been serving me on so many levels. That being said, there have been. Like literal, like, you know, I've been in that situation where manipulation, the whole thing, and it's like, whoa, but I'll, I'll give myself this credit. I saw the motherfucking red flags. I just kept going because my own interest was yeah. like, I was so invested in my interest, wanting it yeah. to work out, da, 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 whatever, that I just kept going. But I'm just saying. Well, you're right. I had I fucking landed there too, buddy. <laughs> And I look back at it, it's funny because like I look back at it too and I remember when someone's like, did you see any red flags? And I look back at it and my ex-business partner, I literally, I remember the first day I met him, I looked at him and I was like, I don't trust this dude. I don't know about it. But then, but then he opened up his mouth and he's incredibly like, he can like, he can just like turn this around. And I was like, I love this man. And then like literally that, it started immediately our friendship. And it's so funny when I look back at him, like that first moment and with my ex too, it was like, I was on this TV show and she sent me a message. Like, and I was like, it was weird because I think she was in a relationship at that time. It wasn't that flirty of a message, but it was still like. I don't know. Why are you sending a random dude a message online when you're in a relationship? So that was like my first instinct. And then then I I go and I I fell in love with her immediately. And like, you know what I mean? Maybe there's something. I mean, I can see certain positive things that have developed for me personally out of those experiences. Like, number one, that shit ain't never happening again. Because I'm Mm -hmm. so I was already hypersensitive to, you know, being aware with people. But like this just took it over another to another level. So maybe that's. I feel like there's we can always find a win in even yeah. what feels like a fail. Big time. Right? Oh, 100%. Like yeah. people have been like, "Oh, would you wish you never did?" I was like, "I literally wouldn't take back a single moment yeah. because like I said, we had incredible times until literally 2 weeks before I left my business partner relationship, we had a 10-day motorcycle trip across mm-hmm. like from Toronto to almost Georgia and back. Wow. And like spent 10 days, 24 hours a day together and had the most incredible time. But yet that was one of the reasons I left because he hid things from me and could have told me in that time as a friend and then chose not to. And that's, but it was like, we had the, uh, that's still one of the best experiences of my life. Yeah. And you know, me and Max had incredible experiences, Yeah. but in the end it was not suited. Right. 
Yeah. And some people are like, oh, I wish I never met that person. I'm like, no. I'm like, you got stronger. You yeah. maybe were You're broken smarter. down in a spot in your life that you should have been broken down to build that part of your life up again. I don't know what it is, but there's that. something always. Yeah, totally. I mean, so you roll. Okay, so you roll out to L.A. Mm -hmm. and, uh, but you were with your ex. Moved time. in with my mother-in-law. Oh. which was very interesting. Um, you know what I mean? Don't want to get too deep into that, but yeah, no it was worries. very interesting that I moved in. My mother-in-law was an agoraphobe, so hasn't really left the house in many years. And oh. that was a, that was a tough, that uh, was a hard thing to be like, I was in Santa Clarita. I was outside of Ooh. LA. I wasn't really in LA. So I never felt like I was in LA right. and I was traveling all the time. And it was like, uh, and that was when the relationship anyway was starting to really go, South, South. Yeah. and that was just like it was hard because it was actually my career was booming and I was in I was finally in LA and it was like how the most you, exciting thing how is your career booming is it because what was the big it was well first of all I was like always wanted to move to LA and yeah. then I moved to LA and halfway through that I got signed with my agency which is the and is someone that I I'd always dreamt of signing with and it just worked out the right way That's after many deal. emails that never got back to me you oh, know really oh for sure Wait, we hold on yeah for just a minute because I feel like that's so important you know um I mean, the times are so different now. Like, even from when I started doing makeup, it's just so fucking... Remember, like, I come from the time where you actually had a physical book of photos. Yeah. That oh, yeah. Yeah, took, I had you know? one. Remember? That shit was so much money. Like the I had one, threw, had threw it out because it was old. Another one, threw it out because yes, I need to redo all my work. Oh, yeah. name on it. It was, so, it was gnarly. I'm so glad that time is over. But, um, but like, getting an agent is it's the everything moment yeah. in your career. You're like, especially your first one, but you got signed with, yeah. You know, so same agency, yeah. right? Yeah. Wall group. Wall group. Yeah. So I was with a really good aid, like the, uh, in my opinion, the best agency in Canada. It's a small boutique agent called page one management. And, I worked really hard for them and they also represent a few people that have moved to the States and are with the wall group, oh, but cool. that still didn't give me my in. I ended up working with a great makeup artist, um, Sir John, um, on a cover, and he emailed his agent in New York. That's at the same agency, and I just, I, I guess, you know, people are busy, and I get that. I never for one second was like, man, this sucks. Like, I was just like, okay, it's just, just not the right not time. Take it personal. I had another incredible makeup artist do it forward, and then... I was living in LA. I went back because I have a hair team there that takes care of the iHeartRadio Much Music Video Awards. And I got to do a coincidentally. In Canada? Yeah. And oh. then my agency in Canada booked me with this job with this makeup artist called Vincent. And he, my current agent, was assisting another agent and left to start her own book within the agency mm. and was just starting her roster. And I worked with him that day and he called her and was like, this guy's awesome. He's such a good vibes. He does great hair. It all got together and she called me and I was literally, I had told another agency I was signing with them, mm -hmm. not my first choice. Yeah. And then they called me like, we want you come in and meet with us. And I was so terrified because I was like, my first choice now wants me. I literally verbally just said I'm signing with my third choice mm. and that itself would have been an exciting day. Yeah, And totally. now I hadn't signed on the dotted line and I had to tell them no. And I was right. like, oh my God, am yeah. I moving to LA and burning bridges? <laughs> like I was so terrified. I, like my agency in Canada was incredible. They were on the phone with me every day talking me through everything. Aww. And I got with them and that was like the big thing. But I also worked for so many years to get a U.S. visa from Canada. You have to, you get an O-1 visa, which means you have to prove that you're in the top 1% 
of the country in your craft. Oh, wow. So you have to, for years, plan it and be like, I need this many newspaper clippings of me quoting something. Yeah. I need... I was luckily on numerous TV shows where I was the hair expert. So that helped me along. And so I was kind of like in a good space and I did as many celebrities. So a lot of like uh, PR companies did mm. know who I was in LA. Okay. Cause when you move, you realize the most important thing yeah, is your relationship with not publicist. the celebrity. It's a publicist. Right. And that was like something I definitely did not know. Yeah. You keep talking. Yeah. So that was something that I did not know. And which is, you know, it's great. It's great if you can create a great relationship. But, yeah. you know, you have to do good hair and people have to like you is really. Yeah. I, I was actually scared moving here because I thought I, to, my honesty was um, I was like, man, all these beauty teams like hair, makeup, styling. Everyone's going to be assholes. Like it's L.A. Like is everyone going to be mean? I'm like this <laughs> Canadian boy. Like, oh, my God. And I have never met nicer people. And everyone's talented. And that's a thing. It's like an unspoken yeah. If you move to LA, usually, for, especially from some other city or country, yeah. you're talented. You were probably the best where right. you were. and But now what's going to take you further is how nice you are. Yeah. Because no celebrity, it doesn't, they're going to pick me probably over someone else who's better than me yeah. because they like me more and I'm going to spend time with them all day. You know, yeah, it's I, not just talent anymore. No, I mean, there's so many, listen, like, whatever, like I'm couple months ago i had to wake up at 2 30 in the morning to be at my client's house at i think it was like 3 45 something like no, media tour shit oh I mean, yeah re- oh for the west east coast stupid stuff okay. yeah like you who wants to be getting hair and makeup done i don't even think the most bougiest motherfucker wants to get like be greeted at 3 45 in the morning so i'm saying that because well, it, there's so much glamour and like, you know, to what we do. Yeah. Like it's fi- there are there or you're like long ass days where it's just feels redundant and tired. If you don't have the right people around you, mm-hmm. you know, with the right energy, it just it's it's not going to work. Like we, that's why teams are so important. Yes, you have to mm-hmm. be strong in your skill and your in yeah. your craft, but if not more important, like your energy and what you bring to the table, like on, on an attitude level and all that, um, is, is going to play a big part in, you know, the success of your career, I think. Yeah. Yeah. And and even that's not guaranteed. Like, let's be real. Exactly. You you don't, you have no idea. And that's, (laughs) that's also what was kind of scary when I moved here. I, I'd work with makeup artists or teams that, or celebrities that are, perceived as the biggest people in their fields and yet they all feel the fickleness everyone's like am i ever gonna work again and you're like you're so and so are you you you're thinking you're never gonna work again it also makes it real because you're like oh because i think like that too right so okay this is it so then okay the meaning of life now is to just get to a point where you don't care about that yes like i really believe that that's just the meaning of life where it doesn't matter what you're doing you can be goal oriented, but are you just content? Right. Like, right. can you be content in your day to day? Well, and I think, because like again, when I first met you, you know, it's like you never know when you're meeting somebody new, and mm-hmm. and I was just so like, yes. Um, and I will say that, like for the most part of my career, I like you have just come across really great people, mm-hmm. you know, um, but. Then there's those extra ones where you're like, I want to take an extra step and like 
know you more and hang out with you or like, you know. Yeah. And for me, I was just so grateful when we worked together the first time because I'm like, fuck, yes, he's down to earth. Also, yeah. you know, I am someone who makeup is one part of my career life. Yeah. It's not who I am. It's mm -hmm. never been who I, it's not my identity. I'm not Roxanne, the makeup artist. Mm -hmm. And I'm even further away from that now, gratefully, because I, I don't want to just be in this mm -hmm. box, right? So for me, what really matters is like, you know, it's the whole experience of, of being on the job. Um, yes, I want to make the client feel amazing. I want to deliver beautiful artistic work, whatever we're doing. Mm -hmm. But I really want to enjoy the energy and the company around me. And that's how I felt with you. When we left the first job together, I was like, fuck yeah, this guy's like, you know, super talented um, and just really down to earth. And so for I can see how, you know, going back to where you were like, you know, when you're when you uh, start basically kicking ass over here and you're like meeting a bunch of people and like I can see how your career has just continued to unfold in a beautiful way for you because you do have a presence that is um, very enjoyable to be around. Thank you very much. Yeah, you're so welcome. Yeah, I think and it's it's interesting how it can kind of build because like I feel like what I do on a day to day basis, I feel like often I, and I don't know, you can correct me if I'm wrong, but I see like especially with makeup, a lot of makeup artists, I feel like at, as far as pushing creativity can kind of get there a little bit more with like face and what they do on the eye. Yeah. But I feel like for me hair wise, it's like I'm booked to do this almost the same waves for most of like I'd say 95% of my job. So that's what's interesting. That. It's like craft wise, I've developed little things. Yeah. And it's like, but it's no longer learning big things. It's learning the tiny little weird little things that are going to help it move forward. And it's, yeah. it's lately it's been, I don't know, because you have to develop a relationship before someone trusts your creativity. Oh, the first time you work with someone, it's incredibly rare that they're going to be like, go ham. Yeah. do your do your best thing where those are when you're going to get like best beauty moment of 2019 right. like you only get that your like 10th time of working with someone right. where you get that chance that someone's like you know what you know me you know my hair i'm giving you this shot yeah you know other than that it's like no it's yeah, you need to be so the best funny. friend so, yeah like literally any hair moment i've had that's been great 80 yeah they're all with people that i would consider a friend first that's cool. That's really special. And I agree. Like it takes time to build trust um, on both ends too. Yeah. You, you know, obviously the more that you're doing someone's hair, the more you're working with them, the more confidence that you get to build. Yeah. Even just from a tangible, like mm -hmm. knowing their actual hair. Exactly. Right? Like I know that from makeup. Like I know her skin yeah. comes this way or that way. With it. So I can see how that, um, that's just so, that's so true. I want to ask you what, at this stage of your career, what do you feel most inspired by hmm. in your career life, in your craft? Like, It's interesting because like, I, I kind of want to say something work-related, but this year in January, I made all my this year's goals. And um, last year, I was smoking probably up until the end of January, smoking up, a, up to a pack and a half a day. Um, I hadn't worked out in probably six years, not even for like five minutes. Um, luckily, just because I was an athlete, my body didn't go to absolute shit. It yeah. stayed kind of, it, it filled out okay, but I didn't feel good about myself. And literally before, I'd say before a month ago, Never in my life, even high-performing athlete, would I have ever felt comfortable to take my shirt off in public. 
I would have t- done it and been okay with it, but I would have been like, okay, well, I can't sit like that because I'm gonna, I'm gonna crouch. Everything's gonna like be crumpled up. If I'm at the beach, I better stand the whole time or oh, lie down yeah. flat. Yeah. And so then I just like was like, screw this. I'm 37 years old. I'm going to be 40 in a few years. I've always said 40. I want to be the most in shape of my life. And so this year, every goal that I wrote was strictly fitness related. And I wanted to just do that. But then because I made my goals fitness and health related, Mm -hmm. this year opened up more career goal, more career things than I'd ever imagined possible. Why did you get I think it made me a happier person. So my light that was in there that was already, I feel like shining pretty bright, was now exploding out of me. And people were like, you just look happy. And that's the first thing that I noticed before I started losing weight. They're like, man, you look good. And I felt it. And then it started to open me up to most success stories that I read. It's people that don't just work nonstop. They've learned to, okay, every two months, I'm going to take a week. I'm not going to bring anything. I'm going to go and I'm going to sit there and I'm going to brainstorm. And then now, you know what I mean? I can't say much about it, but I'm now going into the product space. Um, but it's all been inspired through fitness and will be related to fitness. Um, and just what I now want to become a spin instructor. And it's because like, I also can't keep working out without a goal. Yeah. I, I, the goal was in shape. Now yeah. I feel like I'm in shape. There's obviously things that I want to work on within being in shape. Yeah. But, but now I'm like, shape. well, no, but I don't want to spin every day and right. not have a goal. I want to spin every day and be an instructor. Whether it's, I'm teaching once a month, it's not going to be for financial gain. It's going to be because now I've realized that almost all of my, I'd say 60% of my clients all spin. So I'm like, wow, I'm like, we bond on this thing where they're like, they're obsessed with spin, I'm obsessed with spin, we start spinning together. I'm like, well, wouldn't this be amazing if I could lead an incredible class that I could invite people to, and I could, it's my passion, but it's also now becomes my networking tool. I'm like, that's something that I didn't clue in about. And it's not really a networking tool, it's just like, we create a different relationship, we now become friends because we work together, we spin together together. And it's great for just me as a person, not even career-wise. I'm now just developing friends and developing closer relationships with people, which is the first win. Yeah. And then secondly, it just works for work. Dude, it's just we, yeah. because the relationships. I don't want to go out and party anymore. I did that a lot when I was younger. That's yeah. how I first built my career right. is by going out and meeting people to become my clients. I don't right. want to go to events. Yeah. Even if it's a hair event or makeup event, I say no to everyone because I want to stay at home. You want to get up early. I want to get up early and go to spin. spin That's literally why I don't drink. It's not because I don't want to drink. Yeah. I would love to go out and have drinks, but I have a spin class at 7 a.m., which is going to suck if I've had three drinks. (laughs) It's a priority. Dude, I so relate to that. And it's, uh, God, there's so many pieces about what you just said that's so inspiring. It makes me want to go in a a couple different directions. But, um, you know, I mean, I'll say this, like, one thing that I think is so fucking awesome and like I I do some um, performance coaching and I and I love to kind of bring this to surface to to the people that I coach it's like man when you can look at life from bird's eye perspective um, it really can bring in peace in sometimes like for example this is where I'm trying to go with it for the better part of your life or a big part of your life you were an athlete and that was your goal. Like you were, you were so focused around like being an athlete, right? Mm-hmm. Then the hair comes in and now you're super focused on that. How fucking rad is it that now the athlete in you didn't die. Mm-hmm. It just kind of shifted for a moment, right? Mm-hmm. But like you said, now let's 
put all the pieces together, which it's like, okay, there's some product magic about to happen mm -hmm. stemming from fitness, going to be a spin instructor. And then everything you just said about how that's going to add so much more, like, look how you didn't have to depart from something that you're passionate about. Yeah. You didn't end up going to the Olympics or becoming yeah. an NFL player, but yet it's still laid out. It, it, it's still so relevant in mm -hmm. your life. And now you know, you're able to merge your passions together in such a fucking amazing way that's actually expanding your life in an even more amazing way on a career level, on a health level, which I want to go into yeah. your fitness journey right now. But like, I just want to kind of bring that to surface just because I think sometimes, um, you know, people don't have the ability, they think they have to do one thing mm -hmm. or they think like, oh, you know, I was good at that, but that didn't work out. So now I got to do this. And I like to say, hey, n keep an open mind. Like you're in the middle of the fucking movie mm -hmm. and you don't know how that back there is now. I used to do events for a living. I lived mm -hmm. in Hawaii and New York. Right. Yeah. And um, and it was it was amazing. And I didn't go to school for it, but I did really well. I had a partner from New York, whatever. Now with Black Belt Beauty, I'm starting to put together um, experiences like events. Mm -hmm. Right. And it's just, I never, when I left Hawaii and left New York, I never necessarily would have imagined that I would kind of bring this other part of my career mm -hmm. life back into the picture. But all of this stuff, I mean, even this podcast, right? How fucking rad is it that I get to, I love my podcast and I love communicating mm -hmm. and I love what it's doing for the people listening. But how cool is it that I get to bring one of my beauty badass peers in on the podcast, something that I love, we get to have this experience together. I get to put you on a stage, you know, from my perspective to my audience, yeah. um, which feels so good for me. And it just, what I'm trying to say in a lot of different ways is just like, it can all make so much sense if we kind of just keep a bird's eye perspective and keep open. It usually, yeah. Sense. <laughs> but no, but it, it, it usually, it, it usually does all come back like that. Like, yeah. you know, I did always dream about competing at a high level and it's funny that now it's like i think that's why i'm so passionate about spin it's not that it's not a competition um but that's why i want to compete to be a trainer and and to work towards that goal but the reason i'm obsessed with spin is because i'm in a room with 10 to 60 other people all working their ass off to the same rhythm the same beat doing the exact same thing at the same time and to me i was always a team sport player like yeah. i never did anything individual really um so that brings me back to that and like i love being in a class where they're like yellers and screamers that are like just giving her and i am that person like you in the locker room yeah back, like yeah. i am that person and it changes in the room like sometimes if it's a quiet room i don't have f that much fun in that that right because you want the energy you i need the, the energy. i need the energy and people are like get a peloton bike you know go yeah. go do it at your own i'm like that's cool to do a couple times a week but i'm doing this for like that energy that like yeah oh like everyone starts screaming and sweating and yelling at each other but positive in a way of like course. you know yeah you're cheering each other on. yeah it's a, well you, you you're approaching it like an actual sport like a team sport and you can approach it that way you mm -hmm. know why not because you guys are in there to do the work, yeah, you know, to to you know, to do it to the best of your ability, exactly, you know, and that is that's a mission, and you you are, I can totally see that. I'm not a big spin person. I've certainly done it in my life, 
Um, I, I tend to love running a lot more, mm-hmm. but that's also goes back to my childhood because I was a competitive runner. Yeah. But, um, you know, I can see how for sure, like that, the energy of being around people who are just fucking struggling yeah. and you guys are all pushing each other through the struggle. Um, it can really give you such a high, not just at the end, but I think like throughout it. Yeah. Cause I, what I actually love sprinting and, and not necessarily running. I love sprinting. Like when I was doing boot camps, like berries, I love the sprint and I would go hard at the sprint. But when I first got into working out, that's where I went and I went like 10 days straight. But my issue is through sports, rugby, and football, I probably sprained each ankle five to six times. Oh, wow. So that's usually where a little twitch will happen in running. Yeah. And then that twitch causes the slightest limp mm. that causes a pull here. And my knees and ankles were just getting mangled. Right. And then that's when someone that I knew was like, okay, you got to try spin. It's easier on your body in that way. <laughs> There's like a shopping cart. <laughs> we'll pause it's for like a second. <laughs> little cart in the back collecting some things stopped right here yeah there you are um but then i did spin and the first spin oh my god i was like i love the music i love the vibe but i was like at the first song people stand up and stand up spinning the whole first song and I'm like 15 seconds in, not even 10 seconds in, looking at these people be like, what in the fuck? How are you standing up? Like, I feel like I'm not in shape, but I'm not like, I'm, I don't know. I don't feel like I'm not just bones. I have some muscles. Yeah. Couldn't stand up at all. Died. Like, it was the craziest thing I've ever done. But then I was so determined because I made these goals that I was like, I got to start doing it. I was still smoking until like probably day three, okay. which is what really, like I was literally, I'd have a cigarette in my car on the way to spin. And then in the parking garage, I'd have a cigarette and be putting it out just before I walk into spin class. That is gnarly. Yeah. That's and then crazy. I, then I was like, but then I was like, I was really noticing it really tough yeah. on my lungs, but I couldn't stand up. My legs were not strong. I was like looking at these people in the front row and seeing how fast their legs go. And I'm like, Whoa. how in the, how in the fuck am I, would I ever be able to do that but i went 10 days straight because when you first start you're not catching the rhythm they, they p- throw arm movements in and you're like what the fuck and they tell you at the beginning of your class they're like listen don't do the arm movements sit down if you need to sit down the only thing you're going to try to do is stay on beat okay but then like being matt the athlete i'm like <laughs> trying to do everything but then i went consistently and i went every single day and then it started to slowly after I feel like it was like 10 spin classes is when it started to click. Because yeah. also, I think the reason I didn't work out, well, I played sports. I, I finished, probably I stopped playing sports semi-professionally when I was 20 years old. Okay. Then I basically didn't work out again mm-hmm. until 28 or 29. I was always pretty active, yeah, but like, yeah. but not a workout or any sort of run or anything. Right. Then my one of my good friends... Uh, Opened up a personal training gym in a loft, just himself and me and two other of my friends are musicians. He said, if you guys promote me, you come work out for free every morning at 9 a.m. Mm-hmm. And I'm going to make you breakfast and you're warm down. Mm-hmm. And so this was the perfect scenario. I was yeah. still partying like four nights a week, but he would make me this hearty breakfast. So I would go in for that reason. <laughs> we would all go and hung over. And unfortunately, and fortunately, he smoked. So I would have a cigarette uh, with him out front. And like, it just became like, it was very easy to put that in my routine. Sure. But it became very boring. I just I have always just at that time found weightlifting boring okay. because I was I did it for so many years for sports yeah. and I had to yeah. that then when I didn't have to I kind of I kind of just was okay I'm over this yeah 
then I didn't basically from about 28 until this, like literally 10 years later, yeah. I'm now found spin, which is like, I'm not kidding you the day before I went to spin. I'll be like, who are these fucking bitches going to spin on their fucking birthday? Like what the fuck is wrong oh with them? God. Now it's like, I'm not kidding this year for my birthday. My friends are going to have to do a double back to back spin class. Okay, like I, I'm the psycho now. No, you're fucking amazing. Um, because you know, well, first of all, and I don't mean this in any way mm-hmm. to put down anybody, but no. I don't think it's it's very hard in 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 this career life yeah. to uphold um, high standards of health. Mm-hmm. Meaning, very meaning fitness and nutrition. Yeah, because you are on the fucking road all like very often, or you know you're you're on set all day. Um, if you don't bring your own food, which I notoriously you're, do, you're and you're have, champion um, of that, you know, you know, it's like, but you then you you know you have like the crap and you know every now and then there might be like a great day but like a lot of times it's it's guys she says she brings her food she brings an entire cooler it's pretty impressive (laughs) i'm just gonna say i'm like you might think that like does she bring it sometimes it's it's impressive it's like well because you know and this goes back to something that you were saying before it's like man i'm here to perform Mm -hmm. i'm here to fucking give you my 100 and i know especially i got 41 like what what will fuel my 100 um it it ain't gonna be those chizo chip things like i've done that i've been Mm -hmm. injured i've gained weight i've had to find homeostasis crack the code and get back to the athlete being Uh i am you know and and so you know i i i I know what i need to do and i don't expect anybody to like it's not anybody's business or job to serve me in that way so i roll up and i'm ready to go so that i can perform on this level but what i was saying where I was going with you is that, um, you know, it's, it's exhausting. You're flying all the time. You're working long days to uphold your fitness. Your nutrition is gnarly. And, you know, for those of you who are going to start following Matthew, like you are out in fucking Paris, like just got off the plane. I'm going to spin. Like now Mm -hmm. I'm in Milan because I'm on to the next job. (laughs) Got the spin class. Like you find a way. And I think that's something I really want to actually bring up is that, you know, when you in that um, IGTV video, you know, there were a couple things. One thing, you know, you you, like you, you said something like, you know, I used to kind of look at the people who were, you know, but I realized it's because they were doing what I knew I needed to do or wanted to, but I'm sitting yep. on the fucking couch eating chips. And meanwhile, and then you said something in the, in the realm of like, you know, you, you have to go out of your way. I don't remember exactly how you said it, but it's like, if you don't, the way you're traveling through Europe, you're there, you're working, you're tired, but you're not like just being submitted by the tired. You're going to find the fucking spin class. You're going to get the mm-hmm. work done because you're going to keep this going. Yep. Yeah. I think it's, it's like, so I was like, the champ and that's i'm the type of asshole that when i'm a smoker i don't give a fuck who is breathing in my smoke like i i'm just gonna call out this is a bad thing but then when i'm a smoker i'm like <coughs> i'm like oh put that cigarette away so i was the champion of making excuses before i made ex- and i Felt like I had the right. I was doing 150 international flights a year. I'd come back and work crazy hours. Some days I'd just like, I deserve to chill. And I was eating like shit. I was, at some points, I was postmating twice a day and like not eating another meal and fast food burgers, either burgers, pizza, or sub like once a day. And 
then when I started doing it and I started to be like, oh, I could have always woken up at 7 a.m. Or I could have woken up at 6 a.m. Because that's rare that I start till later. There's some days that we have to start at 2.30. But then that allows us to be usually done by 10.30 and we can hit an afternoon class. And I would book classes, not trainers, because trainers I would become close with and they would sometimes let me bail. Mm. But I book a class. I'm never getting that money back. Mm -hmm. They're not going to be like, oh, Matt, it's okay. This time I'm going to give you the money back. I'm losing my money if I don't go. I can't pre-book because I can't pre-book too far because I never know our schedule. I book like a day before. Yeah. And I've just said that there's no excuse. And I never said I wasn't going to stop drinking. It just was subsequent to that. Yes. I never said that. And I was always actually as weird as it is. I was scared that I was going to lose friends. Oh, I understand. Because, That's not weird. Because I was like, yeah, but these people only hang out with me if I drink. So if I'm not drinking anymore, I'm never going to see these people. And then I just realized that that's like no hard feelings to them. I'm still going to see them once in a while, but I'm not going to see them as much. Even for friends that I love, when I go back to Toronto, because my favorite spin place I've ever found in my life, it's there's nothing like this place. And if you're ever in Canada or Vancouver, I'm taking you because it's like the athlete of spin. It's okay. like called Ride Cycle Club, started in Vancouver, there in Toronto. And you go to spin classes and usually the first the first row are really good spinners and then everyone else is decent. This place, like the first three rows are killer spinners. And I've never seen more guys in a spin class because I think just generally, especially straight dudes look at spin and they think it's like, you know, yeah, like it's, it's like, like it's oh, it's like for something. wussies or whatever. Yeah. But it was like, no, yeah. it's this is not for wussies. And I don't know. I found it's the fastest way to shed weight because I'm burning like, especially if I'm at Ride Cycle Club in there, I'm burning 900 to 1,000 calories a class. That's crazy. And there they have like double the speaker system. It's almost in the dark and it's grungy, dirty hip hop and like dirty beats. And like Ooh, they don't I give a it. fuck. Like it's, and what I kind of like about there too, none of the instructors are full time instructors. They all have wicked jobs and a lot of them are motivational. A lot of them are like they're on the forefront of their careers, Mm -hmm. but they are athletes and they love this and they teach four classes a week. That's amazing. And it's got a really... Because it's real passion then. It's not just like, oh, "Oh, I'm on autopilot. And And you can tell they're happy to be there riding. Yeah, that's huge. They're not just like, oh, fuck, I got to teach again today. Right. Like, do you know what I mean? (laughs) They're like... Exactly. And so that's how it's been and I literally go there and this summer I went there and I was like I'm not making plans with any friends I'm not doing any clients my sole thing is to stay in Toronto enjoy what Toronto has to offer as a city but spend two to three times a day like it, it was this craziness where I was just like I don't get the spin studio that often I want to take it like crazy and I want to do it but it's opened up wild relationships in my life that's so rad like the girl who does my branding mm-hmm. we've bonded and met over spin classes basically so it's like there's so many avenues of people that are inspiring that come in your life and you hear these stories and it's now I have to find myself and I have to be sympathetic. Like this one guy I met on set, he was like, Oh, I used to be a competitive, um, fixed gear racer. Like they do in the track. Mm -hmm. And he's like, I've really, I've thought about doing spin, but he's like, I only can commit to something if I know I'm going to become addicted to it. And I was like, well, yeah, that's that's perfect, actually. Then you should do. He's like, no, but man, I can't just go half in. I'm like, well, then don't. <laughs> like, I, and I didn't want to sound like an asshole, so I didn't even say those things. But in my head, I'm just like, dude. And then I also sometimes don't want to be an asshole because I'm like, I don't ever want to preach to someone and be like, dude, well, I did this. Right. But I'm kind of like, man, trust me. Like, my mentality, like, trust me. If I fucking did this, like, and I think 
when people aren't an athlete and they want to get into working out, I'm like, guys, I'm like, this is way better for you because you're not going to, that's sometimes why I never went back into weightlifting because I'm like, wow, I used to be able to curl 65s and now I'm having a tough time with 20s. I'm like, that's fucking embarrassing. And I know especially a lot and I know it is with girls and but I know especially every dude I do, they're like making excuses why they don't but I'm like, let's be honest, you don't want to go to the gym and look like a bitch. No, dude, And I don't say like, you know, what i mean like yeah no that's a real thing it's hard it's to crazy back into it so it's like find something and i sh- i express this a lot um i have so many different modalities of moving and weight training is certainly a big part of it but you know i think that especially when you when you really need to develop a new habit in fitness and your health journey mm-hmm. um you got to go towards something that is going to keep you fucking inspired and lit mm-hmm. and that is I mean, I think there's a big through line here of like Matthew follows passion. Yeah. I mean, like you for sure, you, 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 you went to spin, you fucking fell in love and you were challenged in the most beautiful way where it lit you up in a passionate way. You're like, oh shit, I want to nail this. And then boom, 10 days straight. I mean, even to go 10 days straight, by the way, like at your first kind of run back into fitness, that's gnarly. Yeah. (laughs) It's it's crazy. I, I have gotten to see. The transformation, because I remember like the beginning, I think we met like. I think you okay, met like, while I was still smoking. Did I meet you? I think I was going to look through our Instagram and see like when our first message would have been because it would have yeah. been after that first day. Yeah. But I think it was, I, I maybe was working out if I was lucky for, I don't know, a couple weeks maybe. Maybe. Because I, I, I remember here, though, I this, it. It, it was all coming up and, and then we'd see each other on another job, like whatever, a month later or something. I was like fuck Matthew you look great you know and then just to watch you on social media and just see how you know you're one of the things that I think I admire yeah I would have been working out for like two weeks maybe after I met you so it would have been just just when I started yeah because it was a part of our conversation yeah I love consistency I love you know people say I'm very disciplined and you know I kind of shake it off like "Uh," because to me it's just lifestyle but I do see where I'm very disciplined, I, you know, I'm, and that lends to being very consistent. And I think that um, it feels like a superpower in a way because it's actually fucking hard for people. It's really hard, and I see it more and more. Like, how many times have you heard the story? And I say this with empathy, actually. I was doing so good, and then I was like on it. I was like working out. I was eating, and then and then the guilt comes in, and that's when everything goes down. Yeah, it does. Guilt fucks people up more than the not going to the thing it's the guilt well then i might as well just order the pizza that's why i think seven day challenges 30 day challenges i think are kind of fucked because i know so many people that have done a 30 day challenge and they finish 30 day challenge and then they're like oh well now i need rest because that was crazy and they break for like a week and then they don't get back into it that's and they're so like genius what you just i've said. seen a few friends do it and that's and i i'm the I, I just, I don't know. It's like you just have to commit to that. And I find a lot of people like, and it's almost always people that aren't consistently working out. They'll be like, dude, you're like a fucking spin psycho. Like they're like, <laughs> uh, they're like, do we, and they'll make jokes. They're like, do we need to have an intervention for this? I'm like, guys, on my time off, I was watching like, the thing is, is I work a 13 hour day and I still watch three hours of Netflix a night. Oh, like really? I have this hyperactive mind that yeah. like I'm fully diagnosed ADHD when I was younger <laughs> never, never took pills for it. Okay. And I just need to shut up my mind. And I love watching anything murder mystery. So I just like, I need to just unwind and do something. Yeah. And, but then I'm like, guys, I'm not that much psycho. All I had to do was take 45 minutes out of my Netflix watching. (laughs) 
Like, because we're all, doesn't matter how busy we are, we're all doing that time. Like, I don't care who the fuck you are, you have time to work out. You do. 100%. Even, and and I'm such an advocate for like, you know, let's just say it's an actual day where you just don't either A, have legit time or legit energy, right? We've certainly Mm -hmm. been set, like... Then do then go on a ten minute walk. Even yeah, you got to do those small things that keep it's. I call it the glue because that's what keeps the ball moving. That's what creates the lifestyle. Mm-hmm. You can't just look at it like, well, if I can't go give it an hour, I'm not going to give it at all. It's like that is a road to fucking nowhere. Yeah, you know. But when you do, because it's all energy and it's all momentum. You know, like if you do like. There are times where I don't got like I got like one percent left of battery in me, but I'm like, you know what? Um, and there are times certainly where I respect that, where I'm like, okay, no, 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 rest, rest, you know. But it's a fine line for me, and I know that line really well, mm-hmm. and I, I'm not one to make excuses, and so I know how to play that game with myself. Where I'm like, when I really have one percent, and I know that I can give something ask something of myself i'm like okay i'll go to the gym and just kind of make it like a freestyle like maybe throw the fucking uh you know ball around or whatever like weighted ball and maybe do a little bit of deadlifts and then maybe it's just like walking for 15 minutes but the whole point is keep putting some effort and don't undermine the fucking small the the days where you can't go full out Mm -hmm. you know and do like three spin classes yeah because those days, to me, are actually the most important days. If you can't yeah. get tired, you know, if you're not going to invest the energy when you're tired and when it's hard, yeah, you're not going to make it. Mm-hmm. And it's that clarity of the... You just need it for the clarity of your mind. Oh, you need to go out there. And I found, like... Because, you know, the, the spin class that I, I predominantly go to... Well, in most spin classes, the the after weights... they So they usually is about, like, 25... 30 minutes of spin then you do about five minutes of weights and the next song after weights is always like your song it's nothing too intense it's like your time and like certain instructors they'll be like think about it and that's actually that's the time when i actually started like praying for my family and my friends and that's the time i started to think about things and 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 get through things and then i would visualize something because there you know there'd always be like think about your day you already conquered your day like you know saying the things that we i love hearing in a class because it's like things i know but i'm like please tell me so i can resonate it with me and then i would come up with that thing in the day and that would be like the moment that i'm like oh fuck you're right i'm just gonna go fucking do that i'm just gonna go kill that today and then you just accomplish that one thing and you're like i'm fucking i'm a killer i'm a fucking i'm a fucking champion (laughs) and it's so funny that like one stupid thing like a little workout in that. And I used to say, like, I need nine hours of sleep a day. I need to, and I'm a good sleeper. Yeah. But, like, now I never could have imagined I'd be choosing on a day off mm-hmm. when I have nothing planned the rest of the day to wake up at 6.30 so I can spin at 7 with my favorite instructor. That's so, Like, I it's, I don't that. get how I can, I still am blown away when I do that. Well, I have this thing where I say, you know, because where a lot of people think it's like, oh my God, how are you like this with your training and your diet? I'm like, dude, you know why? Because fucking feeling good feels too good to me. Yeah. I'm not interested in the other things that people might be interested. Like, I don't want the, the that food. I don't want to go to the bar. Like, what I'm interested in is doing the things that continuously make me feel really good. Yeah. And at this stage of my life, I have learned 
what they are. And and I say that meaning uh, not like the stuff is all easy, like in terms of fitness, mm-hmm. especially like jujitsu is fucking hard. Fuck. Right. But I've, it's it's crazy. It enhances my mind like. I can jujitsu my life better because of it. Like, but then there's the physical aspect and it's like, and the confidence level of just knowing someone comes up and grabs you. There's no better. There's no better martial arts than jujitsu to be able to like defend yourself and do anything. It's like you walk around with your shoulders up a little bit higher for sure. hundred percent. I always say like, I was a really tough girl before I started training jujitsu, just three brothers, very alpha female, Mm -hmm. but like, man, you know, jujitsu is extremely humbling. You realize how much, None of that is actually that can work against you in a lot of situations. Yeah. Um, but then you start to really develop the tools that will, you know, be helpful. And oh, a hundred percent. It. I mean, even in our career life, like it just it, to go back to like when you got to walk on set and be very confident. Um, you know, it's it's so far beyond what your eyeliner skill can do or what your mm-hmm. you know beach wave or whatever. It's a certain posture that you just walk in with, and you either have it or you don't. And jujitsu, um, and maybe you can relate to, to this as well from like all your athletic background. But like, honestly, and no disrespect to like the fucking hard parts of the craft, but I'm like. I can do some shit where I can save your life or save my life. Like this eyeliner is not going to mm-hmm. give me fucking cancer right now. Like, you yeah. know what I mean? With all respect, I don't mean that. In a, yeah, I know. You know what I mean? Like it, I'm not going to be, it just helps me to keep things in perspective in a way that allows me the composure and the confidence that I need to step up on, you know, in every job situation, give it my best and yeah. be good with it. Yeah. A hundred percent. A hundred percent. I'm like, okay, wait. So, okay. I'm like, there's so much. You're amazing. I'm like, I'm still tripping out that you're going to get on a plane tonight. Uh, I asked Matthew, you guys, I was like, wait, he has like a slew of travel just like five minutes from now. I'm like, are you just like ready to go? Cause you're going like West coast, East coast. Like we're talking like in 48 hours. I already have all my spin classes booked for when I go. (laughs) (laughs) I mean, that's, inspiring it's really inspiring and i'm so proud of you because again like you know you're juggling a lot you know you're brand about you you have responsibilities you're you're you know you're the top one percent of this career space like you're responsible for a lot of important elements in your career life and then but you're upholding a very respectful standard for your health for your self-care and i love that that is so you know everything with black belt beauty it's like you know it's a very empowered life you know and it's 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 accountability it's no excuses it's knowing that you're worth it it's self-love it's all that shit and it's it's what i've actually just thought of it is like um my skill through college through making myself as a salon and building relationships was before I used to be able to get people to come out and party mm-hmm. all the time. They'd be like, no, I don't want to go out tonight. And I would get them to come out. I would get all these groups of people together. I was the organizer. I was the one that people called to see what was happening that night. Now I have taken that exact same skill and I put it to spin. Like literally yesterday I walked into spin class and the first thing the front test person said was you're alone today. Because I have not literally out of the hundreds of spin class I've been, I've been alone for maybe 5% of them. Because that now I'm finding these people that were already my friends at Spun. I'm bringing them. Now we're going regularly. We're keeping each other accountable. And people are coming out of the woodworks that I knew. And they're like, hey, I'm coming to LA next week from Toronto. 
can we go to spin class? And I'm taking them and they're falling in love with it. Like my best friend, we're going to Mexico together. He does yoga religiously. Mm-hmm. I never done yoga before. He now committed to spin. He went from not knowing what he's doing. He's now sitting front row at spin class. Yeah. Then he has always done yoga. I just have done my second yoga in a row and I'm falling for it. Like I'm not going to do it the same as spin, but I think I needed it. My body needed to yeah. elongate and stretch out. Yeah. So then that's happened. And then when we were talking before, when I was saying that, what I was saying was, I would watch people's posts on Instagram about working out. I'm like, dude, you're not a fucking f- personal trainer. Stop posting your workouts every day. Yeah. And I was saying that and I was pissed because I was on the couch dipping my cheese into nacho cheese sauce, di- dipping my chips into nacho cheese sauce, eating the whole thing, pissed off because these people are idiots. Fast forward, I was just pissed because they were doing it and I was sitting on the couch eating chips. And then, but it was actually, it was those people that motivated me to eventually work out because it's like, if these people can work out, I can work out. I was in Toronto walking with my friends this summer and this guy's like, Matt. And I turn over and I'm like, I have no idea who this guy is. I go up and he's like, dude, man, you're just so inspiring to me, man, everything you're doing. And I'm like, this guy, does he know who I am? Like, I don't think he knows who I am because I'm not the person he's talking about. And this guy apparently started following me, not for hair, just for like whatever, because he thought I was interesting. And at that time, three months before is when I started my journey. He's like, dude, I watched your stories for a month and I couldn't help but start my fitness journey. And I've lost 30 pounds since. And it's mind blowing when it's like you get all these people that you don't know about to follow this path. And I was like shocked and I was almost in tears after because I was like, oh, this is why I post every day or every time I'm working out. I try to not post every day as much just because I like to have some balance of both of them or I'm just trying to not be on my phone as much. Um, So, you know what I mean? It's just like crazy. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I'm sure... People are going to definitely be fucking following you on Instagram after that. You're so inspiring. Instagram is really interesting, you know, because it's like we only have so much attention to give. Right? Yeah. So it's like you want to be very selective. I am about who yeah. I'm investing in, you know, uh-huh. in terms of, of that. And I love what you put out. And I can so see how, Thank you. you know, some stranger, you know, is, you know, tuning in to Matthew and not just for the incredibleness of your hair talent, which is so beautiful but uh, you know what you it's really a fuller expression of yourself you know and spin i think is just one newer element that is allowing you to really express yourself on a fuller level mm-hmm. right and like i'm sure there's going to be other things that are going to come into for your life sure and you're going to even bloom more but i just i you know it doesn't surprise me to hear that and i know i know even just from the podcast how that feels, you know, when you're like, shit, man, I'm just sharing what I love, yeah. what I'm passionate about, and it's inspiring other people. I think what it really does, too, is it really brings into light this reality that, um, you know, we are all experiences, and we are all offering an experience, and we have more impact than we might think that we do, right? You didn't know mm-hmm. that. never never thought in my life would i be a fitness inspiration to anyone not one person right i wouldn't have literally six months ago i would like you know i'm single i'm on i'm not really on dating apps anymore because they're just so annoying but (laughs) i was like 
if a girl, if I find out she works out more than three times a week, I'm not going to do this because I'm going to feel stupid that you're working out all the time. I don't want to work out. I'm never going to work out. And then now it's like, if you're not working out at least three times a a week, there's no way I'm even going to consider really dating you long term because I'm like, are just a big part of your life. You can't like, if you want to start going with me and I can maybe be that inspiration for you, then that's, that's incredible that we could go through this journey together. But like. I'm just not not about that. Yeah, no, no. It makes perfect sense. It's like, can you imagine me being with someone who just eats McDonald's? Like, <laughs> no. Well, I still eat McDonald's every time I travel. I think you've seen that on my Instagram. You know, Evil full disclosure. I'll do like a three day <laughs> spin so I can eat McDonald's the next day. You know, when my biggest vice is fast food, it's that's like that's the big problem there. Oh my God. That's why I spin I, so I can eat McDonald's once in a while. One thing though. at a time. But I was eating like five times a week before, so like that's a massive change in my that life. That is huge, and I love acknowledging yeah. those big changes. You know, they're they're they're. It's it's how you're fucking showing up for yourself in your life. Mm-hmm. You know, like more than ever, are you really showing up in a way, not just from like for my career, but like you're showing up for Matthew right now mm-hmm. too, and then that's like affecting everything on yeah. a beautiful level. So. Yeah. Yeah, it's really inspiring. And I felt like a lot of my life I was that person. I was a people pleaser. Like I was self-conscious. I was like, it was about other people. I care a lot about what other people think. And one of my exes, she'd be like, oh my God, you fucking care about other people way too much. You care about what people say about you and all this shit. I'm like, and I would feel stupid about it. And then I'm like, yeah, but why the fuck do I feel stupid about it? I always want to care about what other people think about me. Yeah. In 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 some way, like you know what I mean. And I want to care if you like me, yeah. if you find that me motivating, if you find me pleasant, if you find me joyful. I care about that. Yeah. Because that's me trying to impact someone else's life as well as my life. Because if I p- impact your life, then chances are your impact that I had on you is going to impact me in reverse, 100%. and we're going to consistently just like impact each other right and no it's, it's true you know i think life is you know it gets to a place where you get very discerning about the fucks that you give like there's a lot of fucks mm-hmm. i don't i yeah. give no fucks but then in general who i am like i give a lot of fucks in my life meaning like yeah. there are things that i genuinely care about that hold real value but then i've been able to let go of the things that just don't you know yeah. like i could really give a fuck if you think yeah. that or whatever but yeah, I think what you just said is so I feel such resonance with that because again, like I don't even see myself as a woman. Yes, that's the obvious, but like I'm really a conduit of energy. I'm an experience yep. as are you. And we are giving people listening to this episode right now their own experience. And that is how the world works. Like we I speak to this a lot on the podcast, but it's like when we really start to wake up to this idea that everything affects everything and how you walk around feeling is affecting everything around you it can hopefully when i feel like when we become more aware of that and are conscious of that throughout the day you know the experience that we are can be more of value like contributing Mm -hmm. to our world you know what i mean so you're actually greeting the people who maybe just serve you coffee or whatever, but like with a very present, how are you or hello versus mm-hmm. just like looking at your Instagram, ah, you know what I mean? Yeah. Cause you don't know what that your high hello and just acknowledgement of the person yeah. is how it's going to fucking affect their whole day. Well, it's funny cause the, when I go back to why I got into hair, my mom told me, she's like, Matt, you don't understand the impact you can have on a woman's life. She's like, the only two things that make me happy are my family and God. And if I have a great hair, haircut, how I react then to the, 
you know, the cashier at the grocery store, then they react to the person behind me in line is so much greater when I have a great haircut than when I have a bad haircut. So it was that impact and how those small interactions impact people's lives in a greater way that you'd ever imagine. And I was dating this girl for a little while and we went like, we would just kind of go around and do fun things. Mm -hmm. And she pointed out something to me that I never even noticed about myself. She's like, Matt, every single person you have engaged with every time we've been together, you've complimented them in some way. And I actually had never noticed that I do that, but, and I'm not trying to do it. And I feel like the compliments that I want to give are not like when I spin, I see, and generally it's almost all women in a class, right? Yeah. So like I'll see someone who's a fucking good spinner yeah, and I want to go up to them, but being a straight male, I'm very self-conscious to f- compliment a woman after because I don't want her to ever think that, or you complimenting me because I'm hot while I ride or it's like whatever. Yeah. I'm very self-conscious of that, but it's like <laughs> there I want to be like, you're a fucking athlete. Like that in fucking pressed me because I can't ride like that. And if you can ride to make it look even attractive in the way that you ride, yeah. that is an incredibly athletic feat sure. because there's people that are great athletes that look sloppy and there's right. people that are great athletes that like, you're like, I just want to watch your fucking body move because like the way you do that and can control your body is incredibly wild. Yeah. You know, so, but it's like, it's weird, those little things. And it's not like just saying, you know, someone's beautiful. It's like, I love your fucking glasses. I love your earring. I love your shirt. Like something authentic that like is real because we all think it when we see someone. Yeah. But we just. It's so true. And people just don't open up or don't feel comfortable or whatever to like express yeah yeah and i think it's also hard on the other like going back to what we're saying i think it is hard i've also noticed that it's hard for people to accept compliments Mm -hmm. but then this really goes back to what i was saying i think that when you really start to generate um more of a connection from the the way of like self-love and Mm -hmm. self-respect you're like yeah thank you and it's it's you can you can absorb the compliment more because you're like just literally to go back to what you said, you're like, yeah, I feel that too. You know, I do feel like, you know, there are going to be even bigger things coming yeah. from me, more amazing things because you can believe it about yourself. Yeah. You're seeing how you're doing it in your life and how you've mm-hmm. been doing it. So why the fuck not? Would that be the case? Right? Exactly. Yeah. I think we've just been too concerned with getting likes, not compliments. Oh. And you know what I mean? It's like, and it's funny. Cause like, even like for me now, like sometimes I'll post a story that is like, you know, I'm, I maybe look a little bit shirtless, which like until two months ago, never would that have ever been seen in my life or would I have felt comfortable doing it. Yeah. And I still feel uncomfortable doing it. But then it's like, it's also a big difference from like someone putting a heart on it. And then someone when I see in person being like, Matt, you look really great. Oh my gosh. And like That's the way cool. that it can change me, because it's like, and then... I don't know. I've dated people too. They're like, Oh, you get complimented all the time. Or like girls that like, you know, aren't confident themselves. Like you must get all these girls hitting on you all the time. Like they're sending you DMS all the time. Like actually they're fucking not. I'm like, I wish they were <laughs> like, you know what I mean? It's like, just Lady, give me send him a DM. And then be like, I don't want to compliment you. Cause you always get like girl, all these girls probably complimenting you and telling you how hot you are all the time. It's like, they're not. Can you tell me I'm hot? Cause like, 
Like I maybe need like a lit like you we're want, all human way, beings and like no offense, but like you want to be with the woman who doesn't even care because she's just gonna tell you what's on her mind. Exactly. And she's doing it. So yeah. sorry, whoever you are, you gave yourself <laughs> you're exposed. Yeah, no. fuck you. <laughs> like, in the nicest way. Yeah, I know. <laughs> fuck you. You're still a nice person, but <laughs> but you got work to do. <laughs> you got work. We're to not do. here yet. Um, okay, I gotta ask you a few. Th- so this is like a fun. Yeah. Um, just a fun um, like rapid fire words that I love to ask my guests on podcast. So there's no competition. Mm-hmm. There's no right. wrong answer. It's just kind of like what the word means to mm-hmm. you um, at this stage of your life. Right. Okay. Fear. <sighs> fear. I'm getting over it, but I've always had an intense fear of death because growing up religious, I, 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 I believe in God. Mm-hmm. I, I debate whether what, comes after this and things yeah. like that. So generally with fear, it's generally of dying and dying before I've accomplished what I've wanted to accomplish. Amazing. Well, let me ask you a question. If yeah. you died right now, would you feel like very successful? Yes. Ugh, thank you. Cause I was about to say, fuck yeah. yeah, yes. Yeah. Yes. And not just because of your career, mm-hmm. but I think because of who you are as a human and yeah. how you affect people. And I feel, I, I feel like, uh, I was thinking about that while you were talking earlier. I was like, I think I've, I feel like I've made a positive impact and I've been kind to enough people that if I passed away, people would remember me and it would, they would smile when they think of me. And I think that that's, I don't know. I think that's a big thing. And it's a beautiful thing. It sounds yeah. morbid, but it's actually not. In my no. Opinion. Like it's, that is a beautiful, I like to reverse en- engineer my life. Yeah. You know? And, uh, it also keeps me very alive in the moment and going for things in my life that I really want to go for. Um, you know, but also being mindful about how I'm doing everything too. So I, mm-hmm. I love that. Um, okay. Next one. Love. Love. I guess this year I've just been focusing on loving myself and who I am. I've never, I never did that before. I was always in a relationship or, you know, I'd be guilty of just trying to like hook up with chicks or trying to like, you know, do, I don't know, maybe, be a playboy or something like that. I don't know. I, I've learned that I've been there in my life and I, I, I wasn't loving myself and I didn't love myself for, you know what I mean? If I'd hook up with a chick and that was it, I'd actually feel immense amounts of guilt and I would never feel good about it. So I feel like I was always counting on someone else for love and now I'm counting on myself for love and I feel better than ever before. That's dope. Yeah. It's got to start with then, right? Yeah. I think, you know, when you really feel that connection with yourself i think that the love that you invite into your life on all levels mm-hmm. friendship you know and it, it is a more genuine love and a love that can be more enriching to yourself and your life um because it's not this external reliant thing you're like you're whole inside yeah that's beautiful Thank you. um challenge challenge <laughs> my challenge now in my life is I found the balance and like fitness, all this kind of stuff. But I think it's like, I don't really ever feel like I'm living in one place. And that becomes a challenge with like, sometimes other friends have contradicting schedules and I never see them for three months because we both live in the same place, but you're on tour, I'm on tour. But like, that's the challenge. And then the challenge in like, I haven't met the right girl yet, obviously, because uh, if I met the perfect girl, I, it, nothing would matter. I truly believe that. Yeah. But I still am gone all the time. So it's really yeah. hard to even start something to get there because yeah. like rarely love happens and it's like, I loved her the f- three days after. Like there's generally a foundation that needs to be built. Well, love's a different story in every 
right. scenario. Right, so right. I think that that's for me is the challenge. Yeah, no, yeah. that makes perfect sense. Yeah. You need someone who can understand your agility, if not yeah. being agile in their own life. Exactly. Like adult. Yeah, it's coming. Um, you're gonna have like a hundred DMs in your <laughs> <laughs> send them Matthew stylist at Matthew stylist. <laughs> oh my god, I love it. Um, okay, um, passion. Passion. I think my passion always was traveling. It's now traveling still. Every time I go for work, I always find a magical experience within it. Whether I have three hours off, th I had three hours off in Vietnam and I had the, one of the most magical experience of my life. I cried on the back of a moped in pouring rain with a beer on my hand. Like, I was just like, am I fucking really here doing this? And this is my work and I'm doing this. Um, I think it's still that. It still comes back to traveling when now it's changing. My traveling, I used to teach rock climbing outdoor adventure and like out camping for like 15 days at a time yeah. and worked at an outdoor adventure store setting people up for these trips when I was like 18 to 20. No, I was like younger. I was like 16 to 19 I did that. And now that's where I'm coming back to. I really, that's my next step in fitness I think is to start doing like multiple day trips like in national parks and in our own country. Well, yeah. this is not my country. I'm Canadian, but like in this country and, and Canada too, I want to explore North America more because I think it's absolutely stunning. I did totally. a RV road trip for 15 days. Man, we are so lucky and I don't know why. Yeah, you want to go and see the rest of the world, but for like sure. people are like, I haven't even been to Montana and I want to yeah. go to Montana and canoe down one of those rivers for days. Like that's yeah, my goal now. Nature here is insane. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. No, I love that. That's beautiful. So yeah. You can still see that coming for you. Yeah, that's where I'm going. It's <laughs> amazing. Okay, so um, I just I want two more questions. I want to know um, for people specifically who are, you know, aspiring to do what you do. Mm -hmm. um, do you have any advice for them? Yeah. Get going in this whole field. It's you know what I mean. Education is like the the just the. If you don't understand that one, then you're just, there's nowhere to even go. Like yeah. you just have to, that has to be inside of you. Yeah. Um, I, but there's two main things as you're starting off and really even until now I have to, but I'm learning to say no a little bit more now. Mm -hmm. You got to say yes to every single opportunity and money is never an option. Be prepared to be broke countless times. I had to start over, sacrifice who I was to become who I wanted to be countless, countless times. And I would remember crying on the couch because I was so broke, but I had to make those decisions to get there because there is no salary. There is no, you go to university for this and you get a starting salary. You got to hustle and take every opportunity. And it could be the shittiest shoot that you think is never going to do anything for your career. But yet the clothing stylist on that set you became friends with, they were a nobody, and now fast forward 10 years down the road is a huge clothing stylist. You never know what's gonna happen, and the teams that you're gonna, it's the relationships that you're building, it's not necessarily the work that you're doing. I love that for a lot of different reasons. I feel like so much of what we hear in our industry is the highlight reels mm -hmm. of like, then they met so-and-so and now they got the cover of Vogue. It's like, all right, motherfucker, but hold on. What about the time you didn't know how you're gonna pay your rent? Yep. And you didn't know the next job coming. Mm -hmm. And because I don't, I can't speak for everyone, but I think that a lot of us have been there in some way, shape yeah. or form, you know, where it's like, it's gnarly and yeah. they're so there that is a big reality of of this career path mm -hmm. but it's also what makes you so fucking incredible as you like when you can rise to 
the, to be in a position, for example, where you are, you know? So it's also one of the things that I'm super excited to, you know, have more um, artists like you who I'm really inspired by, who I get to work with, and to come onto the podcast to really talk about that too. Because it's like, man, that shit's hard, you know, to have to go through that. It's not a cakewalk, mm-hmm. man. And people, I think, a lot of times see the red carpet and the glamour mm-hmm. on the, all the things. It's like, dude, you don't know what goes on behind the scene and, like, what he or she had to do to actually be in that position yeah. to have that deal or have that client or whatever. Yeah, and I'm honest on my Instagram. Like, I, I try to be, like, most of my stories, uh, especially the ones that do the best are the ones that like I felt like I was gonna look like an idiot and then I posted it and I should have deleted it and those are the, the best and it's the same with like I want to be real but it's just not necessarily good for my brand but like guys for every job I get I didn't get five and that's still and I think it's for most of us it's still what's happening and you know we just I don't know it's not interesting to talk about every time I don't get a job but like sometimes right. I'm like okay, well, maybe this is going to let people understand more because they're just thinking every day I'm working with someone great. Right. I'm like, yes, but there's options to work with other really great people right. that don't come through, and I don't, I never know why. It could just because their other favorite person got available or I wasn't available from 15 minutes on because I was had an overlap of who knows what's going to happen, and the quicker you don't take those things personally, because if you take those things personally – Man, you're just going to pollute your mind for so long. You just need to be like, well, didn't get that one. It's, And essentially, I just put the blame on myself in a, in a good way. It's no one else's fault but myself that I didn't get that. And and that, you know what I mean? It might not be anything. It's just, no, it's not my fault. It's my fault because I'm not as good of a friend with them as someone else. And there's no negativity behind that. Sure. I think that's it's just key. like, you're just like, it is what it's it out is. of my hands. I'm a good hairdresser. And yes. if I don't get a job, it's not because I'm a bad hairdresser. I think that's so beautiful. At least I hope say. it's not, you know, yeah. it sure it has. I'm sure I've done maybe not a great job once in a while <laughs> or maybe not. A, I didn't do a great job, but maybe just our communication was off is usually at our level. Now, yeah. if someone screws up, it's usually communication based. It's not because you fucked up the makeup. It's because you didn't true. understand what they were saying. And they probably also didn't understand what they were saying <laughs> you know so it's like true. it's just that just hits home to me yeah oh my god okay um is there anything that you haven't shared in this talk so far that you would like to leave our audience with so i said the quote quickly and something i was just saying um years ago i was asked to talk about my success and i was like what the fuck do i say I don't know how I got my success. And then I was talking with my best friend Drew about it. And um, he was like, he, he's like, man, watch this video. And it's a video on YouTube called why we fall. And it's very sports driven. It's about six minutes long. And anytime I've been low, I watch this video every single morning and it motivates me beyond all things. And I put it in my head foot with headphones on as loud as I can. Cause it's good music. It's got motivational speaks from every celeb like person that you want to hear them from and the one thing it says in it is you must sacrifice who you are to become who you want to be i called off a wedding six days before and moved to toronto and was broke as hell i left a business partnership relationship when our salons were the top salons in the biggest city in canada i called off a a marriage and got divorced and you know what i mean like i i've always been willing to just end that and to just start from scratch again i think everyone you know, everyone I talk to, it's like, well, what do you really want to do? I feel like everyone's like, I don't know what I want to do. 
No, I think that that's usually wrong. I think everyone knows what they want to do. The only thing standing in their way is fear, and then they're afraid of losing what's in their past. And it might just be one little thing. It might They might have one best friend that they know if they go down this path, they're going to lose them. But then they weren't your best friend. They weren't the person you're meant to be with, or they were there for that time. So to truly find it, I think you just have to sacrifice. And I think that is until you're willing to sacrifice something, it's just never going to work out. So... You know, That's fucking awesome. Can I high five you? Yes. Yeah. <laughs> Fuck yeah. You're the man. I am so grateful. Thank you so much. I'm so lit. Um, I'm so excited for you. I'm not a spin person, mm-hmm. but I will fucking come take a spin Fuck class yes. with you. And I will sure. do your shit because I need to Let's do some more of that. Let's do it. Okay, for sure. We'll do some deadlifts or whatever you want to do, really. Like, there's a lot of different things we can do with me. Um, yoga. Fuck yeah. Hot yoga. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's what I've <laughs> done two it. of those, and that's it's, crazy. Oh, it's so, it's my shit. I love it so much. Um, but yeah, I want to, um, this will all be in the show notes, but can you drop your Instagram? Yep, it's at Matthew Stylist with two T's and basically everything of mine is just Matthew Stylist. Amazing. And if people want to hire you, like Wall Group is your yeah, agency. Yeah, Wall Group is my agency and I have my agent's email in the bio section of my Instagram. Great. And that's how to get a hold of me. Okay, amazing. You guys get on. Ladies, DM his ass. <laughs> it's going to go quick. I, I know that. So, um, hey girls. Okay, I love you. Okay, thank love you. you. Thanks for having me. Yes, thank you. All right, you guys, catch you on the next one. Thanks so much for tuning into this episode, you guys. If you loved it, please share it on your social. Throw it up on your Instagram stories and tag me. I'm at Black Belt Beauty. I am also at Roxy Look, R-O-X-Y-L-O-O-K. I love connecting with you guys. This is a conversation that I want to just continue growing with you guys. So if you feel inspired to hit me up, do so in that space. I always enjoy hearing from you. If you'd like to support this podcast, you can do so by rating it and reviewing it via iTunes. It's such supportive help, you guys. It really helps the visibility of this podcast. So I appreciate and thank you in advance for doing that. And last but not least, if you are interested in starting your own podcast, or perhaps you already have one and you need help with you know editing your audio and the production of it, I cannot recommend my producers enough. Resonate Recordings, you guys, they are the bomb. I rely on them. They are an absolute supportive tool to me and my podcast. So check them out and let them know that Black Belt Beauty sent you. And on that note, you guys, I'm signing off with all my love and always looking forward to catching you on the next.